0: boom we're live now nobody frees up <laughs> all right i'll do the. i'm gonna do the intro which is we do it unique each time just so there's no mostly the same editing. uh welcome to nope i've never actually brought on our i've never actually hosted before by the way so i'm usually the, the guest host <laughs> this is the data-driven marketer sponsored by netwise i'm brian i'm mark and i'm rand all right Welcome back to the Data Basement, everybody. Thanks as always to our listeners. We really appreciate you spending time with us. It means a lot to us and we do this for you. And thank you to our guest this week, Rand Fishkin. Rand, I really appreciate you taking time to hang out with us. It's been really fun so far. I'm excited to to chat while we're recording now. (laughs) My pleasure. Um, Do you mind if I throw to you for a little intro to just talk a little bit about your background? Throw away. Awesome. Well, go for it. Tell us, tell us what you're up to. Here's the
1: pitch. Oh, what am I up to? Let's see. I am (laughs) uh, currently working on a video game, which is to be announced. Uh, I am, I am the games director, creative director, and, um, and also the person funding it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fun. fun. Um, And uh, I, Many folks will know me from a company called Moz, which I co-founded and led as CEO for many years. And uh, I left that mm-hmm. company about four years ago and started a new company in the marketing software business, which I realized NetWise is also in, uh, called SparkToro.
2: Awesome.
1: SparkToro does uh, audience research, helps you know, lots of marketers find the sources of influence for their audiences uh, through collecting lots of passive data at mm-hmm. scale. Uh, not, not dissimilar to what Netwise does actually, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, kind of a self-service product for individual consultants mm-hmm. and agencies and in-house marketers. Uh, and then what else am I doing? I am experimenting with a lot of cocktails and pasta. <laughs> uh, I'm about to speak at my first conference in almost two years. Wow. Awesome. Um, That's exciting.
0: Yeah. Where will that so be? In,
1: like an in real life, you know. Real, obviously, I've done yeah. lots of digital events. <laughs> an actual like physical
0: a, person in a space. Yeah, but an actual physical
1: <laughs> person event um, at uh, in in Milan, Italy, where uh, where you have to have a vaccination in order to enter any indoor mm-hmm. places. And so I was like, well, okay, that sounds pretty safe. And their caseload uh, in Lombardy, which is which is the region where Milan is, is. Yep, has collapsed pretty low i think they had like 345 cases or something last week so
0: yeah i'm wow. feeling
1: relatively safe about going there good. <laughs> maybe a little nervous still better
2: than
0: where we were a year yeah. ago yeah. yeah oh my god lombardy was hit so hard yeah just brutal poor, uh what a for the millionth time what a what a bizarre time period we've all been living through oh, this will be god. just remembered our whole lives yeah,
1: just terrible. I don't. You, yeah. you guys probably saw the graphic that was like making its way around Twitter and LinkedIn yesterday. That was, you know, that uh, COVID has now been deadlier than all American deaths in all foreign mm. wars yes. <laughs> combined. I was like, oh my god, oh my god just, it's tragic. You know,
0: it is. It is. That's But important. you know, like we
1: all know people who've passed away, right? Like I, yeah, I lost a cousin and three friends, and mm. yeah, it's just oh god.
0: mind-numbing the yeah quantity of people who've died. Oh yep, yeah. it is. It is. So let me take it. I'll, let me wind it back to the Moz days. Sure. And just to kind of set the stage a little bit. How did you get that going? Because I know you you had companies even before that, too. But I'm kind of curious for you personally, like, what was your involvement? What What do you do professionally at the companies you work at?
1: Oh, um, let's see. So I Moz was my first company. I, I dropped out of college to basically start that business with my mm-hmm. mom um jillian yeah and uh before that the only places i had worked i worked at a men's clothing store for a little while in college (laughs) awesome
2: i did not get uh, accepted at the men's clothing store i applied to so (laughs) you got that one on me
1: it it didn't go well i was their uh worst salesperson by a good margin (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) I'm, i'm somewhat embarrassed about that i did build their website though so all that right. that kind of kick-started so a, a lot of my my journey into like you know marketing and seo and mm-hmm. content all that uh but i yeah it, so at moz you know i started that uh brian through blogging mm-hmm. like i was writing five nights a week um just about search engine optimization at a time when very few people mm-hmm. Practice that, and uh, there was very little belief that it was a real marketing practice. There was very little trust and faith in it. Um, You know, uh, Mark, you were talking earlier about like how, before we started the recording, about like how untrustworthy the the field of SEO was, and like perceived as very black hat and snake oil. And Moz was kind of this. I I tried to make it anyway, like an oasis for people who. We're like, no, SEO is a real practice. And if you earn rankings in Google, you can get lots of traffic. And if you do it the right way, Google's not going to like penalize you and throw the book at you. And there's ways to do it that are not sketchy and spammy. Um, And yeah, eventually that built a very large business. So, you know, I raised some money, some venture capital, um, was a CEO for seven years, grew it to about $40 million in revenue, uh, stepped down as CEO. Stayed around for a few more years, which was probably a mistake, <laughs> and then uh, uh, wrote a book about it, which I think, uh, yeah, Mark Mark has uh, checked out, called Lost and Founder. Very compelling read. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and um, and then and then left the company in in 2018.
0: Mm-hmm. It it sounds like you took a very like current modern approach to starting that company, maybe by accident, by like building community. First, right, mm-hmm. and trying out ideas and seeing what happens, and then it's interesting there because uh, I wasn't sure if you were going to say you were you're um, a marketer or a business person or an engineer or what. And Moz is such a technical product. I remember using it ten years ago when I was starting my first company, and I, I remember being so fascinated by the fact that you had a basically like. A Moz version of Google PageRank, I think, that I could compare it to, and I was like, "Man, that is that seems really technically complex to be building right now as like another tech startup." So, yeah, um, I
1: technically own a patent for uh, a, a a version of PageRank, right, or a, a domain similar authority uh, system. Your? Yeah, so like yeah. domain authority and, uh-huh. and Moz Rank specifically, um, and Moz Trust, which is sort of modeled on the concept of Trust Rank, and. I mean I, I would not urge any founders in software especially marketing software to like go get patents now but at the time you know our, our venture investors would like you should go get a patent totally okay that's yeah Brian, i don't know if,
2: if, are you getting those are you getting people tell you to patent stuff here i don't know it Brian is, gets, brian's one of our it, chief he's our cto chief engineer yeah uh,
0: i mean it's extraordinary it still gets talked about right it's still a really complex uh, topic for tech businesses, right? Cause it, it really serves a, a, a valuable component in physical product, right? I, I come from a manufacturing background actually. So, uh, patents are, are really important in, in other industries, but they're just so complex with software. It's a whole different thing. Uh, and I, and a lot of people just haven't caught up like the legal system hasn't caught up to that yet. So,
1: yeah, I think the, I think the world of software patent trolling, um, mm-hmm. actually had a huge negative impact on like the, the value and respect that Good patents time. get, right? So, I think like when we were first applying for them, there were lots of people who were like, "Oh, that's really cool that you know, Moz has a patent on this methodology." And within a few years, people were like, "Are you going to start suing other companies?" Like, <laughs> <your> Buttholes,
0: <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is this not in your business plan to be going after people who are who have invented software on their own that does the same thing? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. a it's a complex problem for sure. But um, as if there aren't enough enough games of whack a mole. In the yeah, sphere. I think
1: I think if I remember correctly, it was either like right as I was leaving the CEO role or um, just after I would stepped down. But we, uh, uh, Moz basically entered into this kind of community-wide agreement that we would only use our patents defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the right way to play it, right? If you if you go after people for using similar software technology, that there's there's not a lot of honor or ethics there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there I picked up it's... on a lot of uh a lot of intentional uh progressive and I mean that just in sort of uh, intentional progress uh yeah. energy from you from our from our original conversation. I love that you drive things like that uh in yeah. your business culture, right? It's it's up to business owners to do Thank that. You. No, I'm I'm yeah. really proud of that. I mean, I
1: yeah, I would I would I would use progressive in all its aspects, right? Yeah. Like Moz was and, and Spark Toro is. And I think all the projects that I'm involved in are both that from a political lens, but also from it just a, mm-hmm. I don't want to do things the way they have been done classically. Mm-hmm. I think that there is value in innovation. I think there's competitive advantage mm-hmm. to be found there. I think it's more fun and exciting and interesting. Totally. I like putting on my creative and artistic lens, even when I think about just business model generation.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that's a great
2: way to—I uh, think—a great segue um, to something we were were rapping about in in batting practice, which was um, <laughs> the the, the sh- shifting landscape and need for creativity and um, kind of how technology advancements and innovation are um, stimulating and and motivating creativity. You know, both in in the marketing space, just and in, in the the general information and creative space as well. Um, so maybe we could talk talk a little bit about how how you're seeing, uh, technologies kind of spurring creativity, um, in the marketing world.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them. One of the, one of the biggest ones is just the barrier to entry has been lowered, right? Mm -hmm. You can Mm -hmm. go on YouTube or to a hundred websites and learn Mm -hmm. to code for free from anywhere on the planet. Uh, if you're, if you're sort of have an internet connection and, a computer and, and the ability to, you know, the, the time and energy to kind of learn from other folks and the freedom to do that. That's, that's kind of beautiful, right? I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also love that you can do that with, you know, whatever, whatever you want, Uh, digital art, you can do it with music and sound creation. You could do it with, with video might be a little more expensive with video. You need equipment, uh, you can do it with writing a book, you can do it with writing a blog post, you can do it with starting a podcast, mm-hmm. you can, the list is just yeah. incredibly long, right? So that barrier to entry has been lowered, mm-hmm. which brings a ton more people into the field. And, um, you know, and you get you get negative externalities around this, right? There's like, a whole bunch of people <laughs> who have been convinced that like lizard people rule pizza dungeons, (laughs) you know, in the government or whatever. Right. Right. Okay. That's, that's not great. Like that's a, that's a negative externality from, from a result of like anyone can create content and amplify it. Um, But you know, there's lots of positives from that too. Right. Mm -hmm. I I think Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things, a lot of folks would point to, you know, social movements around things like uh, drug legalization or, um, if you are, if you are a fan of this, I'm not personally, but I, I respect people who are right. If you love cryptocurrency, you'd be like, Hey, that could not have been enabled, you know, 15, right. 20 years ago. And it is today.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I was saying crypto is kind of big in our listenership, so it's okay. yeah, yeah, right? we, we love, um, we love a good debate. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I mean, I, my, you know, my bias against it does not have to yuck your yum, right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> you like peanut butter and banana sandwiches. I don't have to like them for you to enjoy them, right? Like, you can get a kick out of cryptocurrency, and you don't need me to participate. So, awesome. Have fun. Yuck your um, yum
0: is definitely our opening quote for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: I, I don't. I generally I don't like to yuck anybody else's yum. That's super uh, nice. The only time I don't like it is when it when it harms other people, right? So, like, totally. if you have your thing and it doesn't hurt anybody else, awesome. Yep. I love it. Right? Yep. Like, go for it. You know, if you want to uh, wear Hawaiian shirts every day and uh, you know party like it's nineteen ninety nine, like. Hey, don't let me stop you. Prince was great, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I have my own style. That's great too.
2: Um, I was gonna say this, it, it seemed like we had, um, a, a good connection around, you know, and the ability to kind of spin up your, your own thought leadership channel, right? Like yeah. this, um, this democratization of, of data, of technology, um, has kind of, it has enabled, like you said, some, um, you know some nefarious players or you know conspiracy type players in the space, but I think more often than not, the beauty of the beauty of the internet and the beauty of tools like um, like Moz and SparkToro is that it allows uh, people who are just you know an individual creator, an individual entrepreneur, to go out and and take what's in their brain, take these big ideas, and and see like. Is there a community out there? Validate that. Um, yeah. am, I the, am I the person educating? Am I the person being educated? And and what are the lessons I've, I've learned from that? Um, you know, I think that's ultimately, that's what we were all hoping social media would do for us and not turn us into like backstabbing ogres. But, uh, <laughs> you know. But instead like- <laughs> it's
1: done both, right? So like right. there's the, right. I, I think right. this is just how a lot of technological progress goes, right? Mm-hmm. Then I don't know if you've ever read like, you know examples from kind of European Middle Ages stuff where people are complaining about literacy, right? <laughs> like, oh no, too many, too many people, you know, farmers and peasants and like folks are learning to read, and this will be the end of modern yep. civilization as we know it because once they learn to read and write, they'll spread all these terrible ideas and yada yada. Right? And and generally speaking, people learning to read and write is now viewed as <laughs> universal. <good. laughs> I mean, unless unless you're the it's Taliban hilarious. in Afghanistan or something, right? right. And, but like everybody, almost everybody else, right? Is like, yes, this is a good thing. So I, I kind of hope that if we progress the timeline out far enough, there will be this, hey, everyone being able to be a creator is good. Content moderation guidelines are good. Mm-hmm. Regulating algorithms that optimize for engagement is good. And like we find our healthy balance um, in, in this new world and... Is there a lot of turmoil around it right now? Absolutely. Is there a lot of opportunity? Definitely.
0: Tremendous. Yeah, yeah I think double. it's really it's important to remember that both things happen, right? With with technology and with everything and and I always like the concept of kind of considering everything to be technology, like the universe is a technology yeah. at a fundamental level. So you can always creatures, we're creatures, we can always do good or bad. And and even that is is debatable, right? Depending on the situation. So I find it interesting uh, to kind of bring it back in, into marketing a little bit specifically. Uh, there's a lot of the same issues. Like, did, if we avoid like the real specific of like Facebook's doing this or, or Google's doing this, just within marketing from a business perspective, right? From a, how we operationally do our jobs as marketers, there's a lot of that same debate, right? It's like what's what is okay for marketers to leverage in terms of data and information about individuals and businesses and where can you get that from and how can you use it and what should we be doing with it? Are you running into things like that or how are you thinking about that with SparkToro?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, great question. Cause SparkToro. Yeah. Is obviously built on essentially people's public social and web profile data. Mm -hmm. Right. So like we crawl 10 different social networks and websites and about pages and that kind of stuff. And then we'd like try and link them all up Mm -hmm. and then make that indexable and we anonymize it of course right so that like you can't go find oh well here's brian here's mark Mm -hmm. here's jess Mm -hmm. and here's Rand, but rather that you know oh i want to see what um people in higher education in michigan follow online right and so it's like okay we're going to take you know 752 profiles that match i'm in the higher ed industry and i'm in michigan and like okay what youtube channels they subscribe to the most all right well 71 subscribed to this channel so 10 percent. that's our estimate right and then and then like you get data like that but yeah to your point right like we had to we had to jump through a bunch of legal hoops early on um around this stuff both gdpr um as well as some other eu privacy laws and then um california uh privacy Mm -hmm. protection sorry is it ccpa yeah yeah Yeah, consumer
0: protection act something like that
1: yeah (laughs) um and Yeah, I I think that there's good and bad things about that. Like if I were writing GDPR, there's no way I would structure it the way it is, right? Because it basically (laughs) said, you know, it's sort of a declaration from like Europe. They're like, we promise we will never make a company that competes effectively against Google and Facebook. (laughs) We swear to God, we'll never compete with you American companies. and. you know, you kind of like you look into the the depths of it and you can see yeah. that Google and Facebook funded the researchers who advised the <laughs> EU council that created it. And you're like, hey, hmm. wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. You- yeah. You guys are. <laughs> um, but yeah. The loop uh, looping me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, there's some misaligned incentives there. And um, I think, I think that's been frustrating. I, I think there's, you know, there's good things that it includes right around like email protection and, and that sort of stuff. But uh, by and large, that has been a process where, thankfully, a little bit of some of the work that Google actually pioneered, where they basically said, hey, if, if uh, Google is allowed to crawl and index your website and then show mm-hmm. data on its website, so is anybody else who crawls and indexes the web. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you make things public on the web, I think there was a case against, I believe it was LinkedIn, was suing yep. someone who like crawled their data. Mm-hmm. And the judge was like, this is public data. People yep. are allowed to visit these pages publicly, which means a machine can visit them fast and then show that data <laughs> to someone just like Google can or Yahoo or Bing or askjeeves.com yep. or whoever, <laughs> right? Like they're all allowed. So I don't think Ask Jeeves still exists, but <laughs> yeah. Um, the good old days.
0: You, you touch know. on a really important part, kind of back to the tech enabling creativity. Uh, this is one of those, places where the technology comes in and it's just doing something that we used to do ourselves right like I would go read a bunch of websites and but now a computer can do it a billion times a day right and you know that super well from all the work you've done done with malls so that completely changes how things work right It changes how we produce content it changes how the content gets disseminated it changes how we like moderate uh, economic incentives for businesses and creatives and uh, that just totally upends traditional structures in so many ways. So what is, what's your goal with spark Toro right now? How does that play into the space? Cause you're consuming a tremendous amount of information and it's actually interesting too. Cause you said you're only three people, but you're doing something that 10 years ago would have taken a, a, a unicorn to be doing right.
2: Yeah. yeah. That's I, I was blown away by the way, just when you said it's, it's a three person team. I was, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm still still in a state of shock that you're, <laughs> in, you're such a robust platform. So it's, it's really impressive.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, three months ago, three months ago, there were only two of us. Um, but yeah, so b- basic story there, right? Our, my goal is help marketers do audience research more quickly and far more accurately mm-hmm. and at scale with numbers that they can really trust. Like, you know, if you survey a hundred higher ed folks in Michigan and ask them what YouTube channels they watch. And it's like, Oh yeah. I love the, uh, the guy who talks about, have you checked your butthole? It's like, okay, that's not, that's not helpful. That doesn't tell me, um, what people, it could be true, right? It could be true that like, I think his name is Tom Capper, right? He has a popular like YouTube, TikTok presence, whatever. Great. I love him. I think he's hilarious. It does not tell me where to do marketing to higher ed professionals in Michigan. Right, and so what you what you actually want is you want to, you know, in ideal world, like go get the home addresses of a thousand Michigan higher ed folks, and then go to their house and break in and steal their phone and get their unlock code <laughs> and like scroll through their right. YouTube subscriptions yeah. and then like copy that that, them yeah, all down. That, but that, that, browsing. Is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that is highly illegal and super unethical. <laughs> even if it were illegal. And I cannot recommend against that enough. So the alternative is, well, a significant percent of those people say on, you know, whatever, LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, like who they are, right? And they, it says, you know, okay, they work at a university or whatever, an administrator, blah, 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 blah. And they, you can find their YouTube profile. And then you can look at the channels they subscribe to because it's public, right, for, for many people on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And you see, so you'd be like, aha. There, there you go. Look at these yeah. ones are popular. And this is not like a negative thing. You're not harming any individual person or any group of people. You're simply saying, hey, all that data that Google and Facebook hoard about user behavior online, we are gonna go get it for you so that you can have it at your fingertips and you can make smart decisions about, do you wanna throw your money at Google and Facebook ads? do you maybe want to go directly to the youtube channels that mm-hmm. and the creators that your audience listens yeah. to and pays attention to and maybe do the some podcasters. co-marketing with them mm-hmm. or pitch yeah. them on being on their show or mm-hmm. <laughs> um or, or, or like reach out and offer to sponsor their thing like whatever you want or or hey maybe we could sponsor your email newsletter to your list or whatever awesome like these are all great things that marketers should be able to have in their toolboxes and unless you have that data at your fingertips with real numbers you just you just can't justify it.
0: Yeah, interesting. So are you focused specifically on the types of content that are harder to get into right now? Because like it's I I you, the two examples you just gave their podcast and YouTube. I can't enter that in a in a technical data driven marketing sense very easily right now. That's very hard nope. to get into with my ads. So is, is that a space you're particularly interested in?
1: Yeah, that's it. So that's exactly right. So you know, podcasts, YouTube, um, people's organic social feeds, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, Reddit, uh, yeah, YouTube, yeah. GitHub, Quora, Medium, Pinterest, like we're, we're in all of those places, Instagram, um, all those, and then, uh, websites and press accounts, right? So like essentially press publishers and industry publications. Right. Okay. So it's, it's so- kind of discovering that stuff. Like if you if you're a marketer and you've been in the higher ed marketing space for like 10 years, you probably know all of these. Mm-hmm. Like you have an intuitive understanding of like, yeah, it's probably these publications it's probably these channels. You'll find some surprises. You'll be like, Oh, I didn't know that podcast was so popular with our audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in general you probably have a good, but if you've never done higher ed marketing before and it's your first day and you know, you're in an agency and your new client comes to you, you'd be like, mm-hmm. Oh crap. <laughs> let me <laughs> right. let me just run over SparkToro and like quickly get this data and understand this field. Um, and, and that's really what it's useful for. So we're trying to kind of disintermediate the the data that Google and Facebook already have at their fingertips mm-hmm. that they use to kind of lock out the rest of the marketing ecosystem.
0: Right. right. Mm.
1: I love that. I love that
0: vision. That's great. Yeah. I mean
2: from just from from working in, you know, this this evolving space of, of growth hacking, growth marketing. Um, mm-hmm. and I know the term growth hacking has, since, uh, since hackles up, yeah,
0: it's
2: <laughs> flywheels, not hacks. I know, I know, <laughs> but, uh, but from, from being pressed, uh, in this was, this was two positions ago, like six, six years ago, um, from being, being really, you know, pressed as, uh, Hey, you're the guy who knows SEO you've, you've been, you've worked in, in posts, you've worked in, uh, you, you know sponsored content and integrated marketing partnerships and link building and stuff. So I, I came on to, um, an app that was, was looking to increase ARR. Um, and you know, it, it was one of those things where podcasts, certain podcasts were doing really well. Certain ones were, were super expensive and bleeding our marketing budget dry, yeah. you know, and, and how do you really know what your, you know, how your money is going to perform until you kind of throw it out there and test it. Um, that's, that you you want to be able to make as informed a decision as you can, um, and so you know we we spent a lot with NPR, assuming hey they're, oh, yeah. they're NPR, obviously you know they're gonna these are these are highly intelligent, slightly you know lefty leaning folks, and, and we were a very um, you know SRI in, investment app at the time um, called Swell, and so we thought hey you know obviously that's that's a direct hit, of course yeah. of course it's gonna be it's gonna be huge, nobody is like crickets crickets from, yeah. From yeah, Marketplace yeah. on NPR, you know, hmm. and nothing against
1: Marketplace. Well, I kind of feel It's a like... wonderful show,
2: but like, but for some reason we found, you know, we found our people elsewhere and, you know, maybe if we'd had uh, a tool like this, we would have, we would have saved a, a couple thousand bucks, but-,
1: <laughs> but I, I um, am surprised. So one of the reasons we we looked into this because <clears throat> some folks who were using Sparktoro were like, gosh, a lot of NPR podcasts, which I would expect to come up, don't come up in your index hmm. as often as we were to anticipate and we were like oh let's go dig into that and it's not that they're not popular the problem is mm-hmm. that much like the you know the youtuber i was mentioning earlier they're popular with too broad an audience mm-hmm. right right mm-hmm. so it's right. you you're not getting the specificity of the group that you're going after and so this is like you know if we were to just show if you were to just say okay who's the most followed person on twitter by higher ed folks in michigan it's barack obama And you're like, oh, that's super not helpful. (laughs) That's that's not the number you're looking for. You're not looking for Barack Obama. You are looking for, and number two before he was banned would have been Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, that's not what you're interested in. What you want to know is compared to a population of everyone else, what is uniquely most followed by this audience? Mm -hmm. And so that's the math that kind of like, It's no math at all, right? Anyone who's done like statistics is like, I can do that in Excel in two minutes. I know you can, it's easy, we do it too, right? And so like, great. But then we can say, okay, show me what's uniquely well followed by higher ed folks in Michigan or Mm -hmm. architects in Los Angeles or chemical engineers in the UK or whatever your audience is that you're going after. And that's the like, kind of, it's not secret sauce. It is Mm. transparent sauce. The hot of secret sauce. Um, but it's super useful because it'll tell you exactly, you know, if you're like, hey, I want to find people who are interested in personal finance world and they tend to be, you know, whatever, in, I don't know, the Northeast of the US, like, show me those people. Okay, well, I can tell you that they, I don't know, I, I could look it up, but, you know, maybe it's like fool.com and net- nerdwallet.com and, you know, whatever
2: Forbes or so, yeah, something, yeah. New, yeah, but yeah, those... Yeah, there's highly it's it's finding that finding that highly relevant, highly targeted niche content that is this, that's this trustworthy. Me is like,
1: you know? This is so much more valuable of a way of doing marketing, right? <laughs> to essentially like have in your brain as an entrepreneur or a marketer, like you want to get in your brain this idea of an influence map. Like, how are people in my universe influenced? What do they pay attention to? How do they discover new products and services and ideas? And then how do they make decisions? And Mm -hmm. those, those could all be different, right? So it might be like, oh yeah, a lot of people in our world, like they pay attention to these sources, but that's actually not where they get their, like I find out about new products from, maybe they get it from Instagram ads. Like Mm -hmm. that that Mm -hmm. could be possible in a lot of consumer product goods, spaces, fashion, like fast fashion, especially, right? Instagram is how people discover stuff, right? So fine.
0: You're touching on a really, really relevant concept as like an example for what we're trying to get across on this podcast the data-driven marketer right that the concept of looking for like what is statistically common among your target market but also specific to your target market yes. is a very complex mm-hmm. combination of variables right that affects a lot of things it affects what your budget is and your click-through rate or your conversion rates and like it's, the whole it's, media plan yeah. it's simple yeah, once you once you start agree. to get in your mind but it's kind of counter to what marketing has been historically forever. And if you're new to marketing, it's really <laughs> counter, right? Because you think Super Bowl ads, right? When you're if you're new to marketing, you're like, oh, oh it's about yeah, getting it's exposure so. to <laughs> to lots of people and that's not at all what it is anymore. Yeah. If you're like, especially our customers are B2B marketers, right? So they're very explicit with their budget. Like they've got they've got a lot of oversight on it. They're, they're usually really niche little products that they're selling to, yeah. to niche markets. And so really interesting uh, way to put that into share that's super relevant for our, our listeners you know what i found really frustrating i'm sure you guys
1: will resonate with this because it's like um it's just one of the most mind-numbingly awful verbiage like lexicon <laughs> problems in marketing which is essentially when i was starting spark toro right before we ha- ever had a product i would like you know get on the phone with or zoom or whatever with like t- tons of marketers like yourselves i'd be like hey what do you call the process of discovering your audience's sources of influence, so you can go do marketing through them? And they'd be like, "Oh, um, I do that work, but I have no name for it."
0: Huh.
1: I would, and I, I w- actually believe that that is fundamentally the core at the core of the problem. Like, I think because mm-hmm. there's no word for that, mm-hmm. marketers don't budget for it. CEOs don't like have that role. Nobody does that. Formally, there's no agencies that like tell you, oh yeah, we're a blah blah blah, blah, blah for, you know, <laughs> agency, right? And so because they don't have a word for the research process of finding sources of influence, you you get this huge thing. It, it used to be called influencer marketing, right? Right. For right. like a brief window, and then. All of a sudden, all these dudes started taking off their shirts and having six packs on beaches and being like, "Pay me five hundred bucks to pose with Ruined your product, bro." Us. And now that's influencer marketing. Well, what's yeah, really? I would cool call about... it... ahead, Oh, bro. let me take a
2: stab at that, if yeah. I may, Brian. Sorry, I, yeah, think yeah, I would. Do. I would call oh, well, it. I Mark, would...
1: keep your shirt on, man. It's not... Oh, oh
2: wait. <laughs> Well, everybody's shirts are coming off now. Wait, wait, wait! I want to take a stab at the former topic, not oh, the oh, latter. Oh, okay. that's, that's the. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I, I am in training for a marathon, but I'll spare you the, uh, I'll, I'll spare you the shirtless. Um, I mean,
1: but, hang on, let, I me wanted... just, let me just make, make you full screen on my uh, monitor here.
2: <laughs> oh, you know how to make a guy feel good. But um, key, key trust research is my stab at that instead of keyword research, because I think huh. uh, essentially what you're looking for is, is this kernel of trust, right? In all of these, in these influencers, it's, it's not necessarily about, how big your following is. It's about the quality of the information and the reliability, you know? So I look to a guy um, like Gotham chess, I'm a, you know, a sub 800 chess player who's wanting to get better. So I go to this guy, Levy from New York is Gotham chess. Um, and so if someone, you know, if you want to get through to me, um, you know, target Gotham chess, like, cause that's, cause that's where my trust base lives. Yep. So that's the way, you know, as a, yeah. as a marketer, I mean, you- in this space, that's my stab at, at defining what your uh,
1: your question there. No, I I think that's this is exactly right. I subscribe to Taste Magazine, uh, which is it's a newsletter, an online newsletter. It's food centric. I don't think it's very well followed. Like they have very few you know Twitter and social followers and whatever, but really excellent content when they do publish stuff and very trustworthy and they recommend products and. I'll be honest like I don't think a month has gone by since I subscribed to them where I haven't seen something in that's covered in taste and then bought it like last month it was I think it was salsa matcha and the month before that it was dark soy sauce which I was like there's a dark and a light soy sauce you know I'm, I'm checking Writing all that this down. stuff out. I'm like oh man I gotta get this I I spent like two hundred dollars on a rice donabe this like Japanese clay pot that's uh, made in this one prefecture that's absolutely beautiful and makes perfect rice. And I was convinced because, you know, I got this thing that I subscribe <laughs> to that, I, that like that, yeah. influ- it, it would not matter how many Instagram ads I saw for a Donabe.
0: Mm, it, would, right. you it would never not, change
1: my mind. But as soon as taste wrote yeah. about it,
0: boom, I'm in. Yeah. You nailed it. I love that name. You just gave up Mark key trust research. Cause it, it's exactly, I have the exact same thing going on uh, with, website they used to be the wire cutter i think new york times bought them now yeah. but it just it, it was the only place i ever went in my life where they did as thorough research into things as i enjoy doing so i got all the knowledge and the fun of the process and then i could yeah. totally trust what to buy there and it, the trust is it's it's kind of a new it's almost a new thing right because and this goes back to what i was going to say a minute ago mm-hmm. about a point you said marketing is a really neat space right now because the tech is constantly changing. And so what you can do is constantly changing. And then what you can imagine to do a year from now is where you can innovate. So I, I somewhat agree, but
1: there's a part of me that kind of disagrees with, with the idea that this is new because I think when I go like, you know, if you go watch mad men or whatever, Mm -hmm. or like put yourself in the shoes of a 1950s, like ad exec there was absolutely that same concept of we need to be in popular mechanics magazine with an ad that's whose message is like this. And it needs to be across from this story because yeah. that's where we're going to reach.
0: Uh, my grandmother, me,
1: right? she just passed away last year, but um, she's 94. And every time I flew out to New York, uh, so I'm in Seattle, right? Every time I flew out to New York, my grandmother would have a bunch of Literal newspaper clippings, right? Like she had <laughs> cut out of the newspaper the theater review section for like the last few months, and she was like, "Rand, I want you to look at the theater reviews. From this is from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. I don't trust the and paper. <laughs> it's like, okay, Amma, I'll you know I'll read. The, and she's like, "Which show do you want to go to?" And it had to if it wasn't recommended by the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, and hopefully both. She would not go. She was like, "No, it's not a good show. I'm not going." I was like, "Ama, you might what if you like it, but their theater critic doesn't like it she she just she refused so to believe funny. that a world like that could exist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, this and it's is-
2: incredible how those those you know how many of those, if we were to go through and catalog like from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, how many of those biases exist or how many yeah. of those, you know, yeah. those systems we have implemented as sort of a default setting in yeah. our
0: mind definitely yeah you you guys have both just given me a, a different way to think about this the the trust component it it it's com- it's the concept i think that's often referred to as community right community building and do they have a strong community Do they have loyal people following them but there, it's the that's thinking about it from the brand as opposed to the people who you're trying to reach who aren't the brand you're trying to reach their customers and they have trust so really interesting spin on it yeah so. i've been I've, i keep calling it
1: mark i uh, i keep calling it Influence with no R marketing. (laughs) It's influence marketing. Like where are people influenced? How are they influenced? What do they pay attention to? And attention, right? Like broad Mm -hmm. following Mm -hmm. is part of that. Like, do you reach a big enough group of people? Yeah. But then also who are the people that you're reaching? Are they actually the same people that I'm trying to go after as customers? Mm -hmm. And then do they trust you? Does getting my message in their work or is it going to be like, you know, the NPR money talks piece where it hits some of the right people, but just doesn't make an impact. Mm-hmm.
2: Or is there, a, you know, is there a disconnect between the messaging? Are we saying the thing, are we talking to the right people, but saying the wrong thing wrong to speak thing. to their totally. need?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. this is, this is huge. So um, we worked with this firm called conversion rate experts. I don't know if you've ever talked to the guys over there, like mm-hmm. uh, Carl Blanks and Ben Jessen. They're yeah. genius. You should have one of them on the show sometime because they're like amazing guys. But um you know, they have this, this like methodology where they interview your existing customers who are getting the most value from your product. And then it's an agency. And then they, they take the words and phrases that many people who love your product use, and they essentially turn that into your marketing message. Hmm. So like, that's how they write the landing page. They just write it the way your existing customers, they find like, oh, like ten people said, they use Spark Toro to do X and Y and Z. Mm-hmm. So your new landing pages use Spark Toro to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> right, and it is like it's just—it's
0: dumb that it works so well. That's great. It's annoying because it's too simple, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you find those processes like that, you're you're you can look back them and be like, man, how how come everyone wasn't doing it this way? But they're they're magical. Yeah. obviously I should
1: have thought of that
2: <laughs> and sometimes you'll find that something about something that your clients or your user base loves is the thing that you felt oh that was just a, a little add on it wasn't even the thing we spent you know weeks and weeks perfecting in totally. our sprints I, we, we had
1: this with uh, so like SparkToro added demographics in, in June and I was kind of like eh, we'll see how it goes like I don't know I'm not expecting a whole bunch right but, but- people freaking love their gender and age and like you know degree level of education and geographic distribution like marketers are still kind of classic some yeah. of them at that's least true. i think there's a lot Especially of researchers if, who are like i want that data i want to present it but yeah you can kind of see the stats since then in sparktor I was like well
0: dude, this goes back awesome. to uh yeah. this goes back to your original comment about kind of what you've been thinking about with product mm-hmm. versus marketing and Mm-hmm. In, a, in an interesting way, I think they're they're kind of inseparable at modern companies, right If you're especially in a world where a, I don't know exactly what your conversion funnels or your marketing funnels look like, but I would imagine it's as low touch as possible, right't yeah, yeah. you don't have a sales team <laughs> with, in-house. With three people so yeah <laughs> when you' when you're trying to sell your product via a website and the website is your salesperson, your marketing has to be aligned with your product right So it's this constant iterative dance. Uh, that you're going back and forth. And and that's really hard because you can't do one without the other. So you have to build something first and you have to build some amount of it first for it to be yeah. even like understandable. Um, but that's a, that's a really neat space. I've found myself in at our company um, since we've we've started building our marketing team out is really getting to dive in there and understand that dynamic, um, having been mostly on the tech side previously.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you, uh, did you read, um, what's her name? April Dunford's book. I think it's obviously awesome. No, I don't think so. I have not I highly recommend it. I gave, I gave it to Casey. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think Obviously I have a copy. Awesome. Here. Oh, but it doesn't matter. We're not on video anyway. So if, <laughs> if, if I hold it up to the camera, it's not like your audio listeners will be like, Ooh,
0: <laughs> we'll, link show
1: notes. <laughs> we'll be, we'll,
2: we'll be, we're, we're thinking of rolling out video in uh, wow. in 22. So you'd got to come back.
0: Okay. You
2: have an amazing Zoom room, by the way. You're prepared.
0: We would look, I look terrible on video right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is is not true at all. Plus I'm not running a marathon. So, you know, (laughs) Um, I'm I'm eating my pasta.
2: (laughs) You have Jake up there. So that's, that's all that counts. (laughs) But uh, but
1: yeah. So, so April, April sort of writes about this like positioning problem where essentially, you know, you would, you would take a company's product, change nothing about it. All you would do is change the way you are presenting the problem and what problem you're presenting mm-hmm. that's being solved by the product. Right. And this would, you know, she has example after example of like, well, look at the amazing results it got at this company and this company and this company. And I th- I'll, I always think of her um, on stage, as I, I saw her on stage a few times, like saying, oh, you're not a blah, blah, blah. You're a product mm. that solves this for these people. Mm-hmm. And the CEO, you know, would invariably be like, "No, no, 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 that's not." What about. And <sighs> April would be like, "Just,
0: just try putting it on the homepage. Let's see what happens." Yeah, that outside what perspective was, is so helpful sometimes, all the time. What yeah. was that book? What was the, the title again? I grabbed a pen. I think it's
1: called Obviously Awesome.
0: Obviously Awesome. Yeah. Did well, I think I think we might be at that time where we've got to uh, wind things down here. We're mm-hmm. a little over. This has been wonderful chatting with you, Rand. I, oh, I yeah. love the energy you bring to the conversation. Right back at you.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, this is quite a pleasure and honor for me.
1: Oh so, some, no, Please, please anytime, you guys. Your, uh, your, chat? your
2: body of work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, over just, the years. Uh, just drop me a line and and let's absolutely stay in touch. I look forward to it.
0: I love it. That's wonderful. Well, thanks to our listeners again for hanging out. This has been the Data Driven Marketer, sponsored by Netwise i'm brian i'm mark and i'm rand thanks for joining rand oh and before i let you go well, where can people find you oh Other sure. than Googling uh, you, can, you uh,
1: check us out at sparktoro.com. sign up we got a forever free account you mentioned our our funnel it's freemium no surprise uh, <laughs> and if you want to follow me and all my wacky opinions the, mo- the best place to do that is twitter where i'm at randfish
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks again for your time. it been great chatting with you. Likewise. I enjoyed it. Take, it right, easy, take care. Man. Cheers.